Hi, you're listening to Kate and Catherine. And we're going to show you how to find your Prince Charming so that you can finally live happily ever after <laughs> forever and ever. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. We are definitely not going to do that. We are sick of that story and it's a lie. It is a lie. You're listening to The New Truth, a modern woman's guide to extraordinary love. We are going to show you how the fairy tale love story stops you from experiencing the love you truly desire. Listen to hear how to break free from sacrifice and struggle in relationship. And learn the new truth about love in a way that you've never heard it before. We're so happy you're here. Keep listening. Welcome to episode six of the New Truth Podcast. And Kate and I are so excited today. So to excited. To talk about fuck the rules, make your own with love and relationship educator, Kelsey Grant. Kelsey, thanks for being with us today. Oh, I'm so honored to be here today. We're going to have so much fun. So much fun. We'll the try to, to not just keep laughing for an hour. We always and laugh I'd love to introduce Kelsey to our listeners. And I'm, I, please excuse me for behaving like a total fangirl during this whole episode <laughs> because I have followed Kelsey for a while and I learned so much from you. And so I'm so, so happy that you're here. Thank you. So she is a love and relationship educator based out of Vancouver, Canada, because that's apparently where all the cool people live. True story. And she's passionate about providing relational education and supporting the development of relational skill sets we didn't get in school, but absolutely need to create great love worth having. She is the co-founder of the Legendary Love Academy and co-host of the Power Couple podcast. She actively brings her vision for relational development to the mainstream in a fun, accessible, and easily digestible way. Whoop, 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 whoop. Relationship educator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Truth and, teller. And epic <laughs> podcast title writer. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And no fucks given plan. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. So, since all the cool people live in Vancouver, Kate and Kelsey were out to dinner talking about both podcasts and things that we'd be excited about talking. And I get a message from Kate saying, All right, here we go. The episode is Fuck the Rules, Make Your Own. So, ladies, why don't you introduce this topic and what you were talking about? And so, <laughs> and why this matters, why it matters mm. to fuck the rules. Yeah, I mean, we were having pasta, as we do, pasta yeah. and wine, it's mm -hmm. our favorite pastime. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so romantic. Yeah, 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 so romantic. And we were, I think we were talking about your retreat and your work, Kate, and then it kind of filtered into like my vision for <laughs> marriage and mm -hmm. relationships and I am not someone who really follows a traditional trajectory and the traditional like track of marriage has never felt like a full-bodied yes to me mm 
And so I think that's how we got into the conversation was like, what would be a full bodied? Yes. And I've had this vision for so long, like this would really work for me of, you know, having more of a marriage lease. So you get married and then you decide just like a car, are we leasing a one, three or five year term? Yes. And then, yeah, and then you select your term and then you actually really have to give it your all for that term because there is no guarantee that your partner is going to renew with you. But if you give it your all and they give it their all, there's a high, high likelihood that you'll want to renew for another term. And so that just intuitively for me, like has people put better like deposits and better energy and higher quality connection and just ways of being with each other into the bank account of the relationship. And I think that's why a lot of relationships crumble is because they're not really putting any high quality deposits into the bank account of the relationship. And I'm not talking about a literal bank account. We're talking about a relational bank account. I like deposits in my literal. I like them in mine too. Like, don't get me wrong. (laughs) But just for clarity's sake, like we're not talking about money. We're talking about those emotional deposits, those relational deposits and those connection deposits. And a lot of couples who follow that, traditional track once they get married it's kind of like we've set it and forget it like that easy bake oven sort of mentality like oh now we're married we're good and like this is a slam dunk guarantee forever well the old paradigm yeah that kate and i it's all over the new truth we're busting the fairy tale myth the old paradigm first sets you up that the ring and the wedding day is the ultimate goal of life and and an indicator of how serious your relationship is, which even as a married person, I think is bullshit because mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. married does not make my relationship more serious than anyone okay. else's. Yeah, and sure. the old, and since that's the goal, it totally sets people up to just not do any more work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because marriage. they've no, hit their target. Because in the yeah. movies, the happily ever after right. was the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So you're just 100%. You're good. Yeah. There's nothing else you have to do after that. Yeah. And that is the furthest thing from what is actually true in real life, because real life, like in my experience, like once those commitments are made, that's when the rubber really hits the road and that's when it actually starts. So like we have all of these different, you know, commitment points throughout a relational um, trajectory. Mm. And, you know, marriage is just another level of commitment, which is so great. It's not like against marriage. It's like, let's do this more intentionally that actually allows Mm -hmm. for the embodiment of both people's free will, because I do not know who I'm going to be a year from now. I definitely don't know five years from now. I certainly don't know 50 years from now. And I cannot agree and like give my commitment and be in integrity with myself and my soul by saying, I I know that I'm always going to feel this way about you. And it's always going to be the right thing for us to choose each other. I don't actually know that. And I'm someone who sees a lot of value in whatever relational container I'm in. And whether that relational container is a month or a year or multiple years, like there's always so much value 
in that container and to allow for the truth of that container to reveal itself to you. Like, what is the point of this union? Why mm. have we come together specifically? What do we have to generate, to learn, to co-create together? And then are we actually in love enough and like in truth enough to let each other go if that is the call mm-hmm. of both of our souls? Yes. And this isn't, you know, and I can already hear like the chirping in the crowd about, (laughs) well, this will just give everyone an excuse not to commit and like not to go all in and like no one like wants to stay anymore. And like that is not actually true, Mm -mm. you know, and that actually happens when you try and force a forever. That's when people squirm out of it and they don't want to commit because they can feel on a cellular soul level that there is a bit of confinement that's happening there. They know intuitively that they are meant to grow and expand and shift and change. And if the relational container does not account for that, there is going to be some level of resistance. And then we misinterpret that resistance as, oh, this person has commitment issues. When in fact, maybe they are just way more connected to their soul and the truth of that than you know, the rest of (laughs) the community or the rest of the world is. And the reality of the word forever is it's, it's, it's rooted in fear. Like Mm -hmm. it's sad. We've really romanticized it, but that word is rooted in fear. I, I feel so good in this moment. In many cases, women don't even feel good. So it's either they're, you know, they're wanting forever just so they don't have to face being alone Mm -hmm. or what it would mean about them if they don't get married or what it would mean about them if they didn't have one person by their side forever, because that's the story we've been fed our whole entire lives mm-hmm. for so long, for centuries, mm-hmm. lifetimes. Um, but this idea of forever, it, it's like, oh, this feels so good. We need to keep it forever. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm in love with both of you, like so fucking in love beyond, beyond my romantic relationship. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeff, but <laughs> sorry, I love Jeff. you guys so deeply, <laughs> but I'm not like, oh my God, we need to keep this forever. Can we sign a contract? Can we like mm-hmm. go to a a chapel and freaking lock this down. I want to put this in a box. I'm like letting it organically unfold in every fucking date, every conversation, every Voxer message, every text message. I fall more and more in love with you. And it's this beautiful, organic unfolding of both of our relationships. And there's no, there's no fear. There's no fear of losing you. And yet the reason we're attached to forever love is this like feeling of, oh, this feels so good, maybe it'll go away or what will it mean if I don't have this? But it's, mm-hmm. it's complete fear-based. And totally. I say if fear is leading the way, it's the wrong direction 100% of the time. It's so important what you just said about friendships because we, I love that Course in Miracles says we need to make our romantic relationships more friendly and our friendships more romantic. And that's how problems happen because it's all that we need to define it Mm -hmm. as something and the possession of marriage, right? This is mine. You're mine. You can never leave me, Mm -hmm. right? And really old paradigm traditional marriage is based on things staying the same, right? Not challenging the status quo. And then that is why a relationship dies. That's why you stop liking each other, loving each Mm -hmm. other killing off the passion because I'm, I'm looking at you, Kate, and, and feeling into the friendship, which is essentially I get to be all of who I am every single day. 
right? And we're not trying to manage each other, control each other, fix each other, right? It's bringing all of who you are each day. And I think that is what is possible in romantic relationship when we become willing to challenge the old paradigm. And that's what the new truth is about. And so at Kelsey, I'd love to hear actually if there are any, like what are the practices that you're embodying with Jamie to live into this new truth. Cause you're, you wouldn't be on our podcast unless you were living the new truth. You're totally living the new truth. You're totally fucking yeah. all the rules. Um, and, and, and making your own. And so this, you know, like to- I loved that you were like, Oh yeah, I can hear the chirping in the background. <laughs> would say. Like, so then you're just supposed to stay or le- everyone always leaves. Mm-hmm. And of course the, the question of to stay or leave is so freaking big mm-hmm. and not a one size fits all. But totally. let's talk about how you live the truth, like live your own truth. Like what mm-hmm. does that actually look like? Cause maybe someone's in a relationship right now and is like, Whoa, how do I bring myself more truthfully and fully right to mm-hmm. see what it's actually made of? Yeah. So like, to answer that question, we kind of have to start at the beginning mm-hmm. of our relationship, which the unfolding of our connection was very organic. And I personally believe how a relationship begins is how it will go and how it will end. And so if I'm trying to force a forever in the dating phase, I'm not really setting a solid foundation for that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so with Jamie, we went so slow. Like he was living in Toronto. I was living in Vancouver. He slid into my DMs on Instagram and we started talking on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then like a month later, it went to a FaceTime and we talked for four hours. Wow. And then from that point, we had a weekly FaceTime date. Sometimes it would be like a week and a half in between our FaceTimes. And then we would text every day. And not, and it, it was so interesting because it wasn't flirty. It wasn't romantic. It was literally building this beautiful foundation of a friendship and we would share music with each other. And I noticed that I had to really curb that part of me that was addicted to the fantasy because I wanted to make those songs that he was sending me mean how he was feeling. And I'm like, Oh, look at this song. He just sent me about marriage. And I'm like, Whoa calm it down. I was like, he probably actually just likes the song. And like knowing what I know about men, it probably did not have any ulterior motive to it other than this is a cool song. I really liked it. I wanted to share it with you because it meant something to me and I want to share that with you. But the lyrical content, like that's more of a feminine thing. Like as a woman, I'm like scouring the lyrics and I'm like, okay, now here's my hidden agenda and I'm going to send him this song and it's going to subtly communicate the things that I don't feel, you know, safe or confident enough to actually let come out of my mouth. Right. And so I had to curb those impulses throughout our courtship. Mm -hmm. And five months into talking, we finally met in person. And I flew out to Toronto because it had gotten to that point where I was like, okay, I need to know where to place this. I need to know if this is going on a potential romantic track or if this is just going to stay in this uh, friendship and colleague track. Either is okay with me Mm -hmm. because he's such a great human, um, but I need to know. Like I had hit my limit with it. And so I was responsible for myself and my feelings. And I got my butt on a plane and went and sussed it out. Mm. And 
like when I got there, it was just very clear that we were more on that romantic track. And so we had a great two weeks together. And then I came home, we had a conversation of like, Hey, I'm into you. You're into me. What would you need in order to be clear one way or another, if this is yes for you? And this is what I would need in order to be clear if this is yes for me, because I actually don't have enough information about you yet either. And so we both just outed that um, on this conversation. And then we designed like the next three months to account for all of the pieces that we would need in order to be clear one way or another. Can, can and, you give us some examples? Yeah. So obviously like living in different cities, one of the big things for us both was we need more in-person time mm -hmm. because we need to see how we jive in like the day-to-day -day stuff. Right. Um, another thing for me was I need to know how this person navigates conflict mm. and who does he become when things don't go his way. Mm -hmm. And I want him to see that in me too. So he really knows what he's getting himself into. Mm -hmm. And another thing that I needed was, do I travel well with this, per this person? Mm. Um, because that can be like such a sort uh, like sore spot in relationships. And so I ended up getting called out to Toronto to do another workshop. So we ended up getting two more weeks in July. And then he came out to Vancouver in August and we road tripped to my friend's wedding. So, and we'd also had like a little conflict snafu over text message. Like he said something and it didn't land very well for me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, how am I going to show up inside of this? Am I just going to step over it and not address it? Or am I going to tell him how that made me feel, but in a way that invites intimacy mm -hmm. and invites him to meet me? Because <clears throat> if I'd gone and like attacked him and like, you're such an asshole, I can't believe you said that. Um, like I just wouldn't have gotten the response that I got. And I think I said something to the effect of, yeah, when you said that it, it didn't feel so great to me. And I'm wondering what was behind that. If there's something I'm just misunderstanding, um, could you help me understand? Mm. And so he came back and he was like, I can totally understand why it was interpreted that way. It was not my intention, but I really understand why it would occur that way. Um, especially since this happened over text. And so then we got on the phone and cleared it up. Didn't get cleared up over text. It got cleared up on the phone. What? No yeah. way. I know. You had a conversation. We had a conversation <laughs> about conflict <laughs> and like there was repair. And mm. it was the first person that I'd ever dated that was so willing to apologize and not from a place of people pleasing and just keeping me happy, but like authentically, like I didn't mean to hurt you. Mm. And I am really sorry that I did. Mm. And I'm like, oh, wow. And then we went on this road trip and it was just so fun. I'm like, okay, now I'm clear. I've got all the things that I need. And then he had all the things that he needed. And then he decided to move across the country and move back to Vancouver. And even that, like, because our courtship had taken so long and we'd gone mm -hmm. so slowly. And when I went out to Toronto every time, I didn't stay with him. I got my own place. Mm -hmm. I had my own space. I'm like, mm -hmm. I am not 
forcing this. I'm not going to go into that fantasy of like, oh, let's play house together. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted my own space. I needed my mm-hmm. own time. I took time in my schedule to go do the things that were important to me. I'm like, these are, workouts are non-negotiable. This mm-hmm. time with my friends, non-negotiable. So I'm already setting the precedent of who I am and what I value yes. in that dating phase. And he was doing the same. And so then we get to this point of like, oh, we actually really like each other. And like, this is a a yes on all of the levels. He's moving back to Vancouver, but he does not move in with me because I think that's what would happen in a lot of relationships. Like, especially if they started long distance, then we move in together at the beginning of the relationship, like you don't even know each other. Like we just finished the dating phase and like, let's let the relationship fucking breathe and like really unfold in the way that it's meant to so he moved back to Vancouver but didn't move in with me and we have our own spaces which has been you know one of those things that we put in place to be in alignment with the vision that we we really see for our relationship I just want to highlight this part this is so essential every woman like not every woman but most women are in such a fucking hurry yeah and it's like a hurry to get to some finish line that's not even existent and rushing this phase and rushing this phase and wanting the next thing and wanting the next thing again, rooted in fear. Mm -hmm. And it's this insatiable chase for the next thing. And then one day wake up and like, Oh God, I have all the things and I feel dead inside, or I don't even feel happy in my relationship, or I don't know who I am or having a midlife crisis or whatever. And it's, it's so, this is so beautiful and so important. I just, I think that, you know, first of all, domestication sucks the life out of relationships from my experience. I got my own apartment four years into my relationship um, and, and had my own space. Like it is, which I've talked about before, but it is essential to let yourself actually be in the experience of each phase of your relationship and each moment of your relationship. Otherwise, you're not really even in it. You're not even experiencing it when you're so busy worrying about trying to get the next thing. So I love that you guys have done that. I think it's so beautiful and yeah, just love it. And like all of those traditional milestones, you really have to check them out. Like, is that actually true for me? Do I want this because I want this or do I want this because I've been told that I should want this? Yes. Or because I want to save money. Yeah. Oh, that is the, like um, him and I, like we agree on so many of these, like fucking the old paradigm sort of positions where like, we will never move in together if it's a budget thing. We will move in together if that feels like the right thing for our relationship. And I I brought this conversation to him. I was like, listen, we move in together. I need my own bedroom. Um, so you can have your own bedroom. I can have mine and we could even have a third one that is ours if we want. Um, but I definitely need my own bedroom and I also need, you know, a lot of alone time and I I just do not want to downgrade the quality of my life. So whatever amount I'm paying in rent now, I will continue to pay. You pay the same amount too. And we can get a sweet fucking pad. Yes. No. So it's not about like saving rent. We're just going to keep paying the same amount, but like double like our income essentially. And then you get a sweet space and that to us felt so much more authentic. And like, we're not even at that place yet. Yeah. Yeah. And we really just like the unfolding of our relationship as it is. And, 
you know, to answer your question, this is a very long winded answer. Um, but we have daily practices of connection. So one of those is that we share three wins with each other and one acknowledgement. Mm. And it started with three wins, three acknowledgements. And then we're like, Oh, that is a lot to generate every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we took it down to one, but like a really good one. Like this mm. is, you know, a quality that I really admire about you or something I really appreciate about you or something I'm really proud of you for. And the reason why it's significant is, and so we have to like anchor it in vulnerability and really weave it into um, exposing parts of ourselves inside of that acknowledgement of the other person. Hmm. And so that is a non-negotiable daily practice that we do. And then we have a book club together. So we pick a book and we read a chapter. Usually every week we've gotten a little off track with it with the holiday season. Um, And then we sit down and we discuss the chapter and we share our insights. And if there are exercises, we go through the exercises together and share our answers. And it's just this wonderful place to connect with each other on the Mm -hmm. intellectual and emotional level which is very important to both of us. Like if I'm not intellectually stimulated, I'm not interested. Period. And so what's your sign? I'm a Leo Mm -hmm. and he's an Aquarius. So he is all about like that mental stimulation too. I'm like, Oh, thank God. Like we can talk for hours and like, we'll go on like these tangents. And like, to me, that's very fulfilling. And And of course we have our podcast, so we do a lot of talking on that as well. (laughs) And then we have a non-negotiable weekly date night and we call them nipple date date nights because Jamie is like, you know, it can't always be processing. Like you can't always be processing and be serious. Like you sometimes need to play with nipples and have some fun. (laughs) And so are these each other's nipples or like, yes, yes. (laughs) you know, know, whatever, whatever feels right. Uh, That's in the agreement of our relationship. Um, But he came up with this concept of nipple dates. So the nipple date is something fun and exciting that we've never done before. Mm. And that we take turns choosing. So one week I choose something that I really want to do. And then he comes with me and that's our date night. And then the next week he chooses. And so it gets us out and trying new things, doing new things, and also being on board with something that our partner finds interesting. Even if we don't find it interesting personally, I am endlessly entertained by the fact that he finds it interesting. Mm. And so that's what I allow myself to really connect to. Like there's a couple of comedians that he wants to go see. And, you know, I obviously love laughing, um, but they might not be like my exact cup of tea, mm-hmm. but to see him in his joy, mm. to see him in his like area of genius and being lit up from the inside out. That's what I observe. And that's what I connect to on those dates. And he does the same. Um, like we went to a burlesque show a couple of weeks ago cool. and he's like, I've mm. never been to a burlesque show. And it was so great because those dates open up doorways to conversation that never would have been opened otherwise. Mm. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I had a burlesque troupe when I first moved here. And like, it's, so it allowed me to reveal more of who I am into the relationship in a really organic way. Um, And I think that's a really important part about fucking the rules is like this idea that you always 
and you have to know everything that there is to know about your partner right from the beginning because that's going to be a lifetime unfolding if you're together mm-hmm. for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Your partner's always going to be revealing parts of their story. And if we feel threatened by that, if we're like, oh, that's such a betrayal that you didn't tell me that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we could look at it through the lens of like, cool, like I love learning new things about you. Mm-hmm. And like, this is the right time for this to come up. And it makes sense that it came up you know, now. Right. And it's not you know, a betrayal. It's just, this is the time that this piece comes through Mm -hmm. and we can either be really offended or threatened by that, or we can see that as, you know, growing the texture and the tapestry of the relationship. Mm, And I think it's really important to be in the camp of the texture and the tapestry because then we stay endlessly curious about Mm -hmm. ourselves and our partner and we don't pigeonhole them into you need to stay the same person in order for me to love you Mm -hmm. which is all which is totally old paradigm and what you just shared is the classic how to con like cultivate a feeling of desire and passion in your relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To be endlessly fascinated by, to support the truth of who the other person is and be genuinely curious. And I just have to say, Kelsey, I'm like lis- feeling all these women listening to your story because it's healing unto itself, right? Like what an expander for the world, right? For women to hear, here's a woman who honored herself. Like I have goosebumps listening to you. And, and this is my truth when I listen to you talk to Kate of like women need models of someone who's not chasing a fantasy, who's not making decisions based on what they think they should do. And look, the truth is you couldn't have done what you did without healing, right? I'm sure whatever healing work you had to do, like there's something of the women that like in order to even get to that point of I'm honoring myself is self-love work, self-worth work, boundaries work. And most people, and this was my truth as a recovered codependent love addict who is way more obsessed with having a relationship than the kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really want to say, right? If it's fuck the rules, make your own. How about make your own relationship? Decide what kind of relationship you want. And make sure you actually choose a partner who gives a shit about having the kind of relationship you want to have. Right. So in my relationship, my my husband actually comes from a very traditional background. Parents have been married for 46 years. They are totally in love. They do a million things together, but he witnessed traditional. And then in come me, like I had just been in Hawaii for a month when I meet this man and I've like glitter all over my face and I'm an entrepreneur and, and I'm like, listen, I'm going to travel all the time. And that was brand new for him. Right. So I'm all, I'm on retreats. I'm away with my friends. Like I do things alone a lot and he has his things that he loves he's probably secretly wants me to play golf, but I'm not interested. (laughs) When he goes, he comes home so happy, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that's his soul work and his personal development work does not look like mine, mm-hmm. right? He thrives in one-on-one containers. 
I want to be in group work. And that was such an edge in the beginning. Like I, I really surrendered thinking that I needed my partner to be exactly the same. I was clear that they needed to be doing work on themselves and like care about that, but trying to get him to come to workshops. Like finally he just was like, look, that is not where I'm thriving. Right. Like, sure, I could go because you want me to. But here's what I love. And like now he's got five little one on one, one on one coach, one on one energy healer that he sees. Like now he's into something called brain integration. Um, But this this place of, you you know, like you just said, this non-attachment to the person staying the same or it needing to look the way it looks for you and only with sovereignty in self does that even become possible Mm -hmm. and in the best relationship it fuels your autonomy Mm -hmm. right rather than takes away from it and so i just i felt like i really i'm hearing a woman who said here's the kind of relationship i want and i'm committed to that versus what most people do is i just want a relationship right i just want a person that ends up being a freaking roommate that maybe i occasionally have sex with if I'm lucky, right? Because there's no real sex happening once you're in a people-pleasing dynamic. Um, and then it's parent-child. But just so, I, I'm so glad you just got to share the story and really reiterate how your relationship developed. Because that's not, I mean, I'm, I totally moved fast. That, <laughs> that's, my, that's my story. But it was from a truth of what was happening in my body. Yeah. So for my breaking the rules was, well, I can feel how what I should be doing is, right? Mm -hmm. But my attitude was I'm going to take the risk because honestly, I trust myself to be able to handle whatever happens. And I'd rather not push down or hide the way I'm, the the spiritual awakening and experience I'm having with this man right now Mm -hmm. and and try to be safe about it versus I'm going to enjoy how this feels and take the chance because I didn't have fear about the relationship ending. Like, I wasn't concerned about that. Like, oh, if I don't do this, it's going to end. It was, I want to ride this experience. Mm -hmm. And and then, of course, our work came out later (laughs) on our side we had to deal with, Uh, (laughs) which which we're totally, you know, we're totally handling and doing. But, um, Mm. you know, this this place of, like, make your own, of of knowing what you need. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. you modeled what you need. Kate, you are modeling what you need. I needed my own apartment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like what how do you live and and you only can have uh you know make your own right make your own life design your own life from the truth of who you are uh-huh. because the rules i mean patriarchal rules old paradigm rules are setting you know most humans up to be little robots yeah. right uh-huh. without a connection to their soul i think p- also part of the the problem is that there's a and I think probably for most women, this is subconscious, but that this belief that our safety is in having a partner and our safety is in the guy. And um, once we have a relationship, then we can relax, then we can be safe. And then we all of a sudden relinquish responsibility and, and ourselves and what we desire and whatever. Cause like, Oh, that's what I need to be safe. But like as children, yes, we need that person outside of ourselves to be safe. But as adults, the only place you can get safety is by being in alignment with who you are and listening to your truth in your body and the guidance that you get from within. That's the only place your safety exists. So when you are in your relationship, like you are, and you're actually walking through your relationship 
consciously and being willing to have the conversations every day. And one other practice you shared at dinner the other night that, that I would love to hear you talk about too, is, um, is the, the monthly, like whatever you cleaning or whatever you called it. The, the, the check-in the, yeah check-in like what's up for you what's mm-hmm. up and you can you mm-hmm. can talk about that but like that's like safety is just like being willing to have those honest conversations and totally. how many of us you know how many people lie in relationship I have a friend of mine who's a relationship expert for entrepreneurial couples in Los Angeles her name is Marla Mattinson and she talks about or she, I, I think she actually I'm not sure if her book launched or not but it was um called radical honesty i think mm. i think anyways i'll i'll confirm that on an ep- another episode but she talks about how in most relationships the issues stem from not being honest and not actually mm-hmm. having those conversations on a regular basis to talk totally. about like hey what are your what's going on for you what are your, what is like triggering you what's up for you mm-hmm. what's not working what's working and when we don't do that it, 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 we just like most people just stuff it and then don't look at it. And it's like, Oh, I'm safe. Cause I'm in a relationship, but no, it's, it's a, it's a lie. Your set, mm-hmm. your safety comes from speaking your truth and being in the now and being willing to have those really hard conversations. So totally. can you tell us about that one? Yeah. So I, I don't remember exactly what I called it, but like right now what's coming to me is like taking the temperature of the relationship. Yes. Yes. And like, Love that. <clears throat> And so like, let's take the temperature, like, let's check in, like, what is working for you? What do you need more of? What isn't working for you? How can I love you better? Mm -hmm. Like, these are questions that will get asked, like, and they're not always asked. um, Not all, like all of them, like, sometimes we'll just need to ask one or two of those. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there something that, you know, bugged you that you didn't get a chance to, you know, talk to me about? Like, let's not sweep it under the rug. Mm -hmm. And so if we do that on, you know, roughly a monthly, you know, container, like on a timeline there, then we don't allow too much crap to accumulate. Mm -hmm. But the problem with a lot of relationships is that they don't do these types of Mm check-ins with each other. And because of that, they build up, as Jamie would like to say, a lot of shit in their love pipe. And then it actually like bursts the pipe and shit flies everywhere. Like your relationship house stinks and it's rotting and it has poo on the walls. Like (laughs) not a fun sit. That is such a man metaphor. Yeah. Because that happens and then people will walk through the house and be like, wow, I don't know why it smells in here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like and they're freezing everything right. and like not Rather actually getting out like with the shits. Yeah. Let's get out the fucking mop and let's mop the floor. Let's wash the walls. Like let's windex the windows. And like, this is like, this practice is like the, the plunger. You know, so we can plunge any of those potential blocks or any buildup that's there. And like, so we get that love pipe really flowing optimally again. And it's also like an opportunity to practice being so real and so honest. And, you know, there's those people pleasing tendencies that, I mean, he has more of that than I do. Like, I definitely am really willing to be like, this didn't work for me or this worked for me. And, and I think with the check-in, you have to do both. You have to do, this is what really is working for me about our relationship. This is what you're doing so well. And you've got to do that part first. 
Yes. And yeah. most people want to lead with the criticism. They want to lead with the negative feedback. And then they wonder why their partner is not receptive. Right. Because after you lead with that negativity, it's very hard to be like, oh, and here are all the things I love about you. Mm-hmm. Icing on poo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not a good thing. Right. So like really start with the, the ways in which the relationship is working and what they're doing really well. And, you know, maybe things that you've seen them accomplish in the last month that you maybe haven't said, um, but have you been talking to yourself in your head about, but you just haven't let them in on that conversation. And then we go into, and this is what I need more of, or mm. this isn't, this is a piece that isn't working so well for me. And this is how I see it could get repaired. And like, you can't just dump that on your partner without any insight of how it could get repaired. Mm-hmm. You can't dump that on them and then expect them to solve your problem. Because if I'm the one having an issue, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like I bring this issue and then I'm like, you fix it. Mm-hmm. So like a child, like a child, parent, which is yeah. how yeah. most people are doing relationships mm-hmm. out there. Totally. Everyone wants a perfect childhood do over yeah. <laughs> with uh-huh. their hundred percent, hundred percent. And so if I say, you know, this part and, and, you know, that's how the, the weekly date nights happened. Because we got into this phase of like we were working a lot and like I wasn't feeling as connected as I needed to be. And so I brought it to him. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm really needing more connection time with you, like high quality connection time. Um, it doesn't mean I have a lot of quantity of time. So we have to kind of play with the parameters here. And what I'm thinking might work is a weekly date night. Could we commit to that or does that work for you or maybe like one every two weeks like like but just something like I brought an idea of how to solve that issue instead of just dumping it on him making him feel like he is in the wrong like mm-hmm. he's done something bad or wrong to yeah. create that which is not the case like it was a byproduct of both of us mm-hmm. and so me coming at it from a team member perspective like okay I see my part in it and this is the solution that I see possible. And if you have one too, like let's bring it to the table and let's co-create based on the solution of both of us. So the date night, like the regular date night I brought, and then he brought the whole nipple date part. Right. And like, let's do something <laughs> we've never done before so that we're getting out of the house because, oh, that's what it was. Because our date mm. night were like movies and dinner at home. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling a bit stifled by that. He was feeling a bit stifled by that. And so we made the commitment of a weekly date night outside of the house. And then he came up with the idea of like, let's go do something different that we've never done and take turns. And mm-hmm. I was like, fuck yeah. Like mm-hmm. that is such a good fucking idea. And so it ended up being like this teamwork solution to the issue we were having. But had we not talked about that, we would have just kept going in like this old stagnant pattern. And then I would have resented him. And then I would like lose that polarity to want to fuck him and he would lose it and not want to fuck me. And then we like get into like this really weird, like crunchy place with each other. Mm -hmm. Instead, like we take the temperature, something is off. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Like, is there something you're afraid to tell me? And if so, like, how can I create the space for you to feel safe to tell me the thing that you might be afraid to tell me? Because historically, um, either I haven't, 
you know, swallowed that well or like handled that well, or people in your past haven't handled that well. And it's usually the people in the past who haven't handled it well. And that makes, you know, the apprehension to bring something forward to our current partner. So we're imposing like the mistakes of our past partners onto Mm -hmm. our new partner who Mm -hmm. hasn't even committed the crime, but we're like putting them (laughs) on trial for it anyway. Right. Right. And then we don't get to have the experience of healing. Totally. Healing is what happens when I actually take the risk. I feel like in the show notes, we're going to put all of these questions that you proposed (laughs) down because it's so powerful and so helpful to hear. And I just this the continuous reminder, because Kate, you said, talked about safety Right. And, and these practices, Kelsey, my experience with relationship is the paradox of knowing you're safe in the relationship is only when you're willing to take a risk in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's the illusion of safety. Totally. And so and, this and reminder also- of that, like you have to actually test the relationship to mm-hmm. see what the relationship is made of. Otherwise, you're in the fantasy, you're in the matrix, and you're walking mm-hmm. around wondering why you don't have the intimacy that you crave. It mm-hmm. only happens when you take the risk. Totally. And I just want to add, your safety is never outside of yourself, ever. You can never know, like, because people outgrow each other. Things happen. Mm-hmm. People fall in love with other people. People die. Like, as long as we think, oh, we're safe in this relationship. Because even when you're having these honest and real conversations, one of the conversations might be your partner saying, hey, I'm, like, ready to move on. Like, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually not ever in the other person. Mm-hmm. In, and so when we stop looking to the other person to make us feel safe or think that the safety is going to come from the relationship, then you can lean in and actually just be in the relationship and 100%. enjoy the yeah. and grow from the experience. And at, like you said earlier in the conversation, how every relationship, like relationships being of value isn't determined by how long they last or if right. they're forever relationships are just experiences and going through breakups are experiences and divorces are experiences. And this is our life is made up of many, many, many experiences. None of which do we know what's coming. The only thing we know is right now. And there's like every relationship you have, even a really short term one still has value because it's an opportunity for you to show up differently. And then it's not, it's an opportunity for you to be real and to grow with someone. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point of, you know, the safety is generated by having those tough conversations. And like Catherine, like you said, like really testing the relationship. And by testing the relationship, it's not about playing a game, you know, and testing the partner. It's about like, can I test myself? Mm-hmm. Like, Do I trust myself to say the thing that's most true for me and do it in a way that isn't harmful to my partner? Mm-hmm. Because there's a way to sh- share your truth, and I'm oh. speaking my truth. Mm-hmm. I can't you know? stand it. You know, and I think we talked about this, Kate, uh, mm-hmm. at our dinner, like call out culture. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just speaking my truth. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> no, you're not. You're just projecting all of your shit onto me to hold. Yeah. And, right. you know, us doing the work means, like, okay, I can see that you know, there might be a blind spot here and there's a way to have that conversation that invites the other person in to meet you. That's what actually generates the safety because I know without a shadow of a doubt, I have the skill set to open up a tough conversation with my partner in a way where he can hear me Mm 
mm-hmm. where he does like, I'm not pushing on his wounds. I'm not using those tender places against him, Yeah. but instead I'm honoring those tender spots and I'm delivering my truth in a way that's still authentic to me, but considers his yes. experience. Yeah. And the call out culture does not consider the other person's okay. experience. It doesn't consider the other person's trauma. And it's not in, relational. Yeah, yeah, it's not relational at all. Yeah. And then we wonder like why advocacy is not working. Mm-hmm. You know, yelling at people does not work. Mm-hmm. Telling them Write that they need down. to be <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> and like, so like we see this happening on a macro scale. Mm-hmm. You know, being on the internet is a perfect place to see what is happening here in call out culture. Yeah. But what's happening on the macro always mirrors what's happening on the micro and vice versa. So we bring that down to the micro, which is a relational level in our interpersonal or romantic relationships. And we're doing the same fucking shit. Yeah. We're doing the call out culture of like, this is my truth. And we're not considering how that is going to land for the other person. Yeah. We're not taking into account these are their tender spots. Instead, we know their weak spots, we know their tender spots, and we go in for yeah. the jugular. We hit them where we know it's going to hurt them because mm-hmm. when they're weak, they're more malleable. They're it's more... just a tantruming. Yeah. Like, that's what children do. Like, I'll never totally. forget when I used to babysit, I was watching a four-year-old and his parents went away for the week. And it was the first night. And this kid starts having a, a Full on screaming at me, I hate you. He's throwing baseballs at my head. And all I kept saying is, I know you miss your mom. Mm. I know you're missing your mom. I'm right here. I know you miss your mom because children don't know how to say, I'm hurting and I miss my mom. They want to create the pain inside of you, right? That's how they communicate. I, I have to show you, I have to make you feel what I'm feeling. Mm. And that's what adults are doing. We're just, totally. it's just all little kids. It's just yeah. all little kids. And, and this main piece of in order to make your own rules, you actually have to take fucking responsibility for your own mm-hmm. life. Yes. And that's, I mean, we could have just called it that take responsibility for your fucking <laughs> life <laughs> podcast because this place of, and Kelsey, I'm so inspired because you're holding a core attitude, mm-hmm. right? Because this, you know, there's so much, I mean, there's so much, there's 8,000 relationship books written. There's 10 trillion dating coaches. I mean, there just are, I mean, it's like the new thing to do now these days <laughs> is become a relationship coach, but this place of you can learn all the things to do Mm-hmm. in the world you can learn the strategies and we didn't talk about the bullshit of dating rules but maybe we'll get there <laughs> now but this place of you have to hold a conscious attitude and that's what you we can't stress enough mm-hmm. right to actually give a shit about someone else is a conscious attitude mm-hmm. to not be a child looking for a partner to fulfill all of your needs and have a perfect childhood all over again to not set out to get not be entitled to all the demands that you want to place on a relationship and i stand for we all have to have more compassion and forgiveness for ourselves because like you stand for we didn't learn these things in school Right. Mm -hmm. But now you are an adult and you do have the capacity to learn and the tools are available to you. And 
I, I mean, I was so broken, codependent love addict, like so broken. And it was only when someone said, oh, look, there's a path of healing, right? That I fought for my, like my life depended on it, right? To heal from all of this pain because I totally was listening to love songs and they were telling me mm -hmm. that feeling good in love was possible. <laughs> and so this place of it is possible. I mean, here, here we are all examples of it's possible to have a relationship from your truth, right? 100%. A relationship that supports the truth of who you are, that's ever changing, evolving, growing. And there are key practices that support a healthy, happy relationship. And one of them is not just the date night, but literally doing new things together is about as classic as it gets. Like that's like mm -hmm. the core, like creating passion in your totally. partnership is doing new things 100%. together. You know, and it also comes down to like the internal work that we both have to do yes. mm -hmm. because in order for me to give a shit about him, I have to give a shit about myself first. Yes. yes. Like I can't like genuinely care about his experience if I don't genuinely care about meeting my own. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so many people go into relationships not knowing who they are, not knowing what they need, not knowing what their boundaries are. So just like a, t a child throwing a temper tantrum, yeah, they need you to connect to that underlying need that they have for sure, but they also need limits. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that you meet your mom and it's not okay for you to throw that baseball at me. Mm -hmm. And if that happens again, we're going to have to put the baseballs away. Mm -hmm. I yeah. ended up getting pillows. Like I essentially held the, I mean, held the boundary of taking the mm -hmm. baseballs away. Mm -hmm. like, you can't throw it at me. Totally. And we took out all the pillows on his bed and sl smashed them yeah. together. Like totally. let him rage it out and mm. just sat there. Uh, with him and his older brother was home too so he came over and we both just watched him and my work was saying yep I get that you miss your mom mm -hmm. I get that 100%. you miss your mom and like also being wise enough to understand that there's something that he needs to do to move that energy mm -hmm. through him and in relationships like that is going to happen when our adaptive child gets activated yep. um, either ours or our partners like we need to have a way to move that energy but if I have not connected and I don't know myself I'm not going to be able to see when my partner's in his adaptive child and I'm not going to be able to see that so I'm not going to be able to put a boundary in place and then also respond to that underlying need right. because as much as we don't want to you know we want to have this perfect recreation of childhood part of relationships is reparenting ourselves yes. and like reparenting each other. Mm -hmm. So we have these elements of, yeah, I need to learn how to regulate myself, but I also need to learn how to co-regulate with my partner, which to means, care. yeah, to <laughs> care like, Oh, like his adaptive child is flared up. And I'm not going to respond to his adaptive child, but I'm going to respond to the underlying need. I'm going to put a boundary in place because that boundary did not get placed in childhood, which is why he's pulling this shit. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I'm going to come at it from a place of compassion, but firmness. Mm. So like fierceness, but there's love underneath that. Like, and Terry, uh, Terry real, he talks about this a lot, like setting boundaries with compassionate fierceness mm -hmm. and you can set a boundary with love. And that is what is required in a relationship 
if you actually want to work with those adaptive parts that are going to come up. Like there is no magic pill that you can take that you can avoid this happening because sometimes you're going to be the adaptive child and you're going to be throwing the temper tantrum and your partner needs to know how to stand up to you in those moments with love, mm-hmm. how to put the boundary, but also respond to the underlying need. And that's really at the heart of a lot of conflict is that we yes. have these two adaptive children who are fighting to be heard and be seen and be understood and to be held. And neither of us wants to go into our functional adult to hold down that fort. Mm-hmm. And it only works if we take turns being the functional adult in conflict. Mm-hmm. It can't work if it's one-sided where one person is always in the functional adult reparenting that their partner. Mm-hmm. That is, again, like just the replay of that old dynamic between mm-hmm. parent and child. But if both people are willing to play that role and stand up to each other with compassion and love and firmness, then we have the makings for a really healthy relational container because mm-hmm. then we can actually reclaim those fractured pieces every time we go into conflict right. mm-hmm. and conflict doesn't like, we don't have to fear conflict as this thing that we have to avoid at all costs. Conflict becomes a gateway, not the gateway, but a gateway to greater intimacy because mm-hmm. obviously the date nights and you know, the fun lovey stuff is also another gateway, but mm-hmm. conflict can become Absolutely. a gateway if we use it in this really, really intentional way Mm. of, but I got to be responsible for myself. I have to know that when things don't go my way, this is what I do. Mm -hmm. This is what makes me difficult to be in a relationship with sometimes. And I have to be able to apologize and admit when I've been an asshole, like we had a fight last night. And I was in my adaptive child and he was in his adaptive child. And then we took a pause. We're like, Kate, Neither of us can access our functional adult right now. Let's take a pause. Mm. And then we came back about five minutes later and I just went over and I gave him a hug because I could hear like his complaint was like, you put your friends above me and like, you have so many friends, like maybe you shouldn't have as many friends. And I'm like, Oh, don't even like, and like, you're just like, no, I want a date night. (laughs) I'm like, he gets a date night once a week. He's like, and so what I heard, like when I had the pause was like, oh, he misses me and he really wants time with me and he really Mm. loves spending time with me and he's feeling disconnected. Mm -hmm. So I went over and I hugged him. He was sitting at the table and I just like put his head in my bosom And I just held him and I was like, I love you too. It's important to me to have time with you. And of course it makes sense to prioritize that with you. Mm. Even though like the adaptive child in me wanted to be like, fuck you. (laughs) I like, I'm going to withhold date night now and I'm Mm going to make myself even more busy and I'm going to see all my friends and I'm never going to see you. And Mm -hmm. and we're never moving in together. Like, like that is where it wanted to go. Yeah. But most people go. I mean, like that's, yeah. And so we, we had this little tiff, then we repaired it. And then guess what? We had a great fucking night night together and had great sex, not because we were angry at each other, but because we had repaired with each other. And then he was able to like come and see it from my side. And like when he did his acknowledgement at the end of the night, he was like, you know what? You really are really considerate. Mm. And you do invite me into a lot of things and 
Like I know how much you're holding mm -hmm. and how much you're managing and I don't even know how you're doing that. And I get so overwhelmed just thinking about your schedule and like you really do put mm -hmm. the relationship first, mm -hmm. even though that was hard for me to see earlier. Mm -hmm. So like there was repair on both yeah. sides and like, um, and I think that's so critical if we're going to like move into this space of having really authentic and thriving relationships. Mm -hmm. It's like we have to work with these parts and then we also have to, to, to design it on purpose mm -hmm. and designing a relationship on purpose is unique to the two people in it. In it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like my relationship with him is unlike any other relationship I've ever had because no one on this planet is Jamie, but Jamie. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people just use this mold of like, oh, you do this and this and this and this and this. And then let's just try and force our that's relationship. The old, that's the yeah. old paradigm mm -hmm. right there. Really. I mean, I feel like we're going to have to do another podcast. Yeah, on part two. <laughs> because the reparenting and handling conflict is a whole, whole other ballgame. Consciousness mm -hmm. yeah. um, unto mm -hmm. itself. Although I will say in early into my relationship, Andrew and I, I mean, Andrew married a relationship coach, so... He knew what he, he knew what he was getting into, but I, I right away implemented a timeout agreement. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. and so when somebody says timeout, we know that that means you take 15 minutes. That mm -hmm. means the person has reached their limit. They're in their adaptive mm -hmm. child. They can, we don't have the capacity to come towards totally. each other and when, and we know, right? So the boundary is, I know that when timeout is said, it's stop talking yeah. 15 minutes to regroup and come back mm -hmm. to each other. And I think timeout's the most underutilized relationship tool in adult Agreed. relationships. Mm -hmm. Agreed. That, that was the best. And just this, you know, make, make your own life, make your own rules. You get to design relationship. And, and we all are standing for that this is not an easy thing. Like you have to do the work to become mm -hmm. a conscious individual, yes. care enough about yourself mm -hmm. that you want a healthy relationship. And mm -hmm. I didn't know what was possible since most all of my relationships were unhealthy. My parents' relationship was unhealthy. And it was only through personal development work and actually being around lots of people in healthy relationships where it was like, oh, that's what's possible too, right? Mm -hmm. And my subconscious mind could then say, that's what's possible. You can have that too. Mm -hmm. And you don't just get to sit and meditate on it and wish for it. <laughs> you actually have to do the yeah. work mm -hmm. to create it. And I mean, there's so, there's so much, but let's, I feel like I want to do like a few minutes of what's the biggest bullshit dating rule that you've ever seen. And Kate, you answered too, like the biggest bullshit dating rule that we can redefine right now to make your own i think the the thing that comes up for me is the whole like you can't text or call them within like this certain amount of time like play hard oh. to get oh. yeah like fuck that shit like if mm -hmm. you actually like someone mm -hmm. you need to be authentic about that but that also comes down to like have you done your inner work to reparent yourself or are you putting the like all of your energy onto this person and be like, deliver me from all the pain I've ever experienced. Like that's what usually happens, which is why people run away. Um, but if I can, you know, with Jamie, I was like, fuck that. Like if I have something to say, I'm going to text him. Mm -hmm. And I do not care if it was, you know, I sent him five text messages in a row. Like I have something to say, so I'm going to say it. <laughs> and like, he'll get back to me 
when he can. And so it wasn't this rule of like, oh, if he doesn't get back to me in this amount of time, it means blah, 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 blah. It's like, I have something of value to say. I want to share it with him. And so I'm not going to wait like a day to do that. I'm like, it feels alive in me. It feels true. It feels like it would be an enhancement to the unfolding. So I'm going to say it. And I trust that he will get back to me when it also feels like in that aligned congruent space where he's available and, and then and that's how we kind of go at it. And awesome. a lot of people play these fucking games of like, well, I'm not going to text them back or I'm just going to be really cold or like really curt yeah. or like, um, you know, I'm going to be coy. Like, okay, you can do that. And then let me know how it goes. Yeah. They're not going <laughs> to come towards you because they think that you don't like them. Yeah. And the key, the key is like, where's it coming from? Cause is the texting. I think so many women send the text because they feel the anxiety of, yeah. Oh, is he not going to message me? Is he not going to ask me out again? So then they said, send the text from their fear, from their ego, saboteur in my speak. And now what's going to happen They're They're going to be waiting glued to their phone. Like the, you were coming from your truth when you, mm-hmm. when you sent that text and truth is, uh, comes with non-attachments, like not mm-hmm. attached to whether he responds or when he responds Good. or what. And, and if someone doesn't respond to you, they're not aligned with you. They cannot mm-hmm. meet you where yeah. you need to be met. Um, but I think that before sending any message, like the, the question isn't what are the rules or like, am I allowed to send the text? The question is, where's this coming from? Mm-hmm. Is this coming from Why? my fear or is it mm-hmm. coming from like, oh, I just have something to say, my truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's Kate, so much funner. It's so much, well, it's, you create, you then get to see what your relationship's actually made of. Yeah. So Kate, biggest bullshit dating rule that you see out there that we need to bust right now. Well, I just think any rule, like I I just think so, well, first of all, the fucking relationship dating coaches out there who are promoting the, oh, my client got engaged. Like the, the, just feeding the fairy tale even more that irks me more than anything. Like, why are we still feeding the story that there's only one fucking story and it all has to look the same that makes me absolutely crazy and then all the women who are on the other side of that that are like oh I just want the ring I just want the wedding and the guy like how do you know you want those things until you've met someone you want those things with and the fact that we put the cart before the horse so if you are being called to working with a relationship or dating coach because they're posting pictures of their clients getting engaged check yourself because mm-hmm. attachment to the result that's the old paradigm um and I mean, really any X, Y, Z to get the guy like, yeah, guess what? It's like marketing. It's going to work, but doesn't mean it's going to be the right person for you. Totally. So fuck the rules. Mm. Yeah. The, the, the rule that I really want to bust today is that women aren't allowed to ask a man out. Yeah. Fuck that so shit. So I, I really have to say that yeah, I, I get it, right? I, I get it on masculine, f- feminine energy. I get that we all want to be pursued and that's a whole nice idea. But if you don't participate in your relationship and you only want this dynamic of someone still, pursual is still grounded in being swept off your feet, knight in shining armor, he's now come to the rescue. Um, and my favorite part of 2019 is how many of my clients, how many of my friends made the first move and are now in like epic relationships and the guys were so grateful that they mm. expressed interest because it's confusing so, out there nowadays it is. confusing it everybody's participation yeah. fuck the rules yeah. challenge every single bullshit thing that you're you know watching on tv mm-hmm. and 
find the people whose message you know brings you back to your heart brings you into your body has you feeling empowered and welcome kelsey to the new truth yes we have like thrilled to be here so we could talk for about 10 hours Mm -hmm. so much knowledge and truth bombs have been dropped today i feel like this is an episode people are going to keep listening to over and over and over and over again and i'd love to give you some time to share how people can find you how women can find Mm -hmm. you and follow you and if you have anything you're excited about right now Amazing. Um, the best place to find me is on Instagram. My handle is at radical self love, um, Kelsey Grant. And, um, also we run an Academy called legendary love Academy. And so you can find us on Instagram at the legendary love Academy. And then our website is legendary love And we do, we have a membership site. So that's where you can go for the price of buying one book a month. You can get access to our entire library of relational education. And we also have a dating program that is starting in the near future. It's called Vetting for True Love. It's actually the dating like program if you want partnership. So like we do not give a fuck about those dating rules. And like, that's not what this program is about. This program is about connecting to yourself and leading from that place of authenticity, meeting the, those pieces that are required for partnership and setting up your dating paradigm or your vetting paradigm or your courtship from this place of truth and honesty and congruency with who you are. Mm-hmm. So we'll be launching another round of that real soon. And you can find that, you know, on my Instagram, find it at legendaryloveacademy.com. And uh, I think that's it for now. Woo, woo. Vetting for true love. love that is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Right away initiated into truth and consciousness and self-responsibility mm-hmm. we'll see thank you so much yes. you're very welcome today. thank you for having me and if you loved this podcast and you know someone who needs to hear it please share and please subscribe and leave a review for us we're so grateful to our listeners and kate i love you thank you for doing this with me love you <laughs> love you both so much the most- new paradigm so grateful and we'll talk to you soon Bye. Thank you for listening to the New Truth Podcast. You are a woman first. Throw away the fairy tale story so that you can have the real thing and a life that you freaking love. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and share it with all of the amazing women in your life who need to hear this message. And it's all women. Every woman. <laughs> like every woman you know. Share it with your grandma. You can find us on Instagram at The New Truth Podcast and our website, thenewtruthpodcast.com. Sign up to receive your free gift from us. The three major myths about love keeping you settling, sacrificing, and sabotaging your relationships. Go get it while it's hot. Get it. Stay tuned for our next episode. See you soon. See you soon.